1: Hello my friend how are you? I hope you are well. I hope you've had a good week. Um mine has been an interesting one. Um I feel like everything's just chaotic this year. Oh, I don't know what's going on, but um one thing that I've been kind of leading up to for a while now is starting an ADHD assessment um which I still find weird saying because I have like imposter syndrome. About it. But basically, like I think lots of people who are on TikTok, I started being kind of served up some ADHD content last year. People who had ADHD. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I identify with that. I was like, sure, everybody does that. I found myself saying with every every piece of content, sure, that's everybody though. Everybody, that's everybody. Everybody works like that. And then the more I obviously watched, the more I got served, and then the more I read, and then the more I started to think, oh, maybe everybody doesn't operate that way um now unfortunately in Ireland at the moment it's very difficult to get assessed for ADHD the waiting lists are enormous um and really the only way to get it done with any kind of kind of speed or expedition is to do it privately um so that's what I did I kind of I got on a a waiting list for a private service um and it's you know there's multiple appointments and stuff through the process but I had my first one this week and I, I we think I have ADHD, and th- so that's something that I'm kind of adjusting to. Um, but as I said, I have this like weird um imposter syndrome. <laughs> I feel like it's, I'm like, oh, that's that's very convenient now that you've managed to explain away some of the things you really don't like about yourself with this, this ADHD, isn't it? Um, but we'll see, we'll see. I have another a second part of the assessment, and then, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. And who knows, maybe, maybe he'll. The next person I see will be like, absolutely not. But I'm kind of adjusting to the idea that maybe my brain works the way it does for this reason. Um, And yeah, I'll tell you about it more because I think it's important to talk about this stuff. And I think there are probably lots of people Well, we know that ADHD is underdiagnosed in girls and particularly underdiagnosed in, um, well, as a result, is underdiagnosed in adult women. And it presents in a different way in women to the way that it does in boys and men. So we can kind of get lost in the cracks. We're very good at masking and like hiding um, kind of behaviors that may be troublesome or problematic um, in terms of the way that we interact with people and with life. So, you know, I think I've been the queen of that for sure. Um, so, yeah. So that's why I think it's important to talk about because, you know, who knows, maybe you are someone who could benefit from getting an ADHD di- diagnosis, even just from, you know, in terms of making sense of yourself and the way that you operate. So yeah, that was a big thing that happened for me this week. Otherwise, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who signed up to the Patreon. I am so so grateful. It really means so much to me that you you know make the choice to part with a few quid. I mean, I guess it's the price of. I saw someone else saying it's the price of a fancy coffee, and it is. Um, but people who are willing to maybe forego one fancy coffee to um to help support this work, because as I said last week, you know I really want to dedicate more time to this podcast. I want to do more. I want to do more episodes. I've got ideas for little mini series and stuff um and your support means that I might be able to do that um so I'm I'm super grateful there is a link if you haven't signed up and you'd like to there is a link in my uh, show notes here and I have a link on my social media as well on my bios so um I would be very grateful um it, it means a lot anyway Uh, One of the things that you will get, by the way, if you sign up for the Patreon is you'll get two extra episodes a month. Um, One of them is like a mailbag episode where I respond to your voice notes and messages. Um, so do send those in Uh, the phone number is 089-209-6423 that's 089-209-6423 have loved listening to your voice notes and your thoughts love to hear what you think about various topics that we discuss or things you'd like to hear on the podcast or how you respond to things we discuss you might disagree and and disagreements absolutely welcome Um, the first of those Mailbag episodes is available now by the way so if you sign up you'll get access to that straight away it's about 45 minutes I think Um, and then the the second episode bonus episode is going to be going up this week well next week and um that's going to be a chat about the netflix documentary to pamela so basically every month you'll get a mailbag episode bonus if you sign up to the patreon and you will get an extra episode of a discussion about a piece of content so like for example definitely would have done harry and megan documentary series and um, we're gonna do to pamela this month and who knows what it'll be next month but um, i'm gonna keep it going and i'm really enjoying making the ex- extra episodes as well so hopefully you will enjoy them too anywho that's enough of that let's keep going and um, we have got lots to talk about in the news this week with Eva moore Eva moore a political correspondent at the sunday times ireland hello to you my friend
2: Good afternoon I was gonna say good morning good mm-hmm. afternoon
1: no an unusual afternoon recording for us doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. um well it has been a week of news that is for sure um, <laughs>
2: a week of a week of confusion news I think
1: yeah I was actually sometimes people say to me oh I can't wait to hear Eva explain this and this week <laughs> I was like I can't wait to get Eva to explain to me what is going on with Leo and uh, nursing homes because okay, I've so- got I have I know nothing
2: So, there is a whistleblower who used to work for the HSE who released documents um, that he had from when he worked there about a legal strategy that the government and successive governments, including this one, undertook to limit the refunds of long-term fees from nursing homes to patients who could have been entitled to public nursing home care. So the way it worked was that uh, this came out about in like 2011 as well, but there was a lack of public beds, and they the people were entitled, to, and then they were being charged for private nursing home fees when they shouldn't have been. Is basically the easiest way to describe it. Now this whistleblower said that he informed the government about this in 2019. And the Taoiseach at the time was Leo Braggar, and Leo Braggar was once the health minister when this was being implemented. Basically, it looks to the public and the opposition as a very cynical move of the governments and successive governments to keep paying people the money they were owed. So the, the government knew they were on the hook for this money and pursued this very crafty legal strategy mm. that stopped people getting money that they were owed. Um, okay. And, you know, they, the way he says it is like largely old and helpless people. Now, this practice has ended, mm. but there are a lot of people who, you know, were due this and if they could not afford, afford to litigate it in the courts, which most people can't, mm. they, didn't, they didn't get their money.
1: Okay. All right, so it was
2: just very a very crafty way for the government to not pay out money that people were owed. Okay, and so this has
1: all come out, mm-hmm. and then how is? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't be calling him Leo. I'm not on first name basis with him. How I call has, Leo
2: as well. We're, we're not on first name basis.
1: <laughs> how has Mr. Varadkar mm-hmm. on Taoiseach, uh How has he, he responded?
2: Has said, he has said that he is not the health minister that's involved that was involved in signing it off. He said that he must have been briefed on it, but he doesn't recall by who and where and why the government are seeking to downplay this massively and say, you know, it's been overinflated and it has been misrepresented in the press reports. And he said the strategy was to defend the cases related to private nursing home on several grounds, in particular, that medical card holders did not have an unqualified entitlement to free private nursing home care. Basically, the government are trying to downplay this, saying it's not as bad as people are saying it is. I think the issue is going to go away because it's very complicated. Yeah. And a lot of people who are involved or were involved are now dead because they were old people in nursing homes. Yeah. So I know I haven't explained this properly, but it's. It's very boring but it is it does not look good it looks very cynical and crafty by the government right and how possible do you think
1: it is because there's this whole question of a memo that apparently um leah varagkar had received or saw and he yeah. says he didn't receive it and like how likely is it that you know someone could not be aware do you think of something I mean, like this
2: like t-shirts get briefed on stuff all the time yeah um and he said Leo said in a Leo said in a radio interview on Monday that he was never party to the strategy and he said that he had never received any memo. But we know actually we've seen the email that he, he was sent it. Mm. <clears throat> Listen, T shirts aren't across everything because it would be physically impossible. See, I but think I'm always... like this, considering the fact that he yeah. was the health minister. Yeah, not great. And he said that he, he must have been briefed on it, but he doesn't remember. Um see,
1: I think I'm always
2: gosh. like prone to forgiving
1: those kind of things because I'm so terrible at paying attention to what's in emails and also really mm-hmm. bad at remembering things. So I'm
2: always like <laughs> it's like Name <when laughs> and Ryan was falling asleep Maybe all the time. T- I was you like you too oh, could be the t shirt.
1: I fall asleep all the
2: time. I let leave the man
0: alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
1: okay, all right. But I think as I think you're right. Yeah, it's complicated and the, the people affected aren't really here largely to fight their corner, which is awful, obviously. Um, Mm-hmm. So we might not hear much more about it. Okay, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, we'll some- see what rumbles on. Yeah, let's. No. no, that's fine. Let's move on to another unpleasantness. Um, unpleasantness is probably putting it mildly. Protests, um, I'm using that word in quotes, against immigration have continued this week. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a man who was kind of agitating people in terms of these protests, Graham Carey, was arrested. So what's the story there?
2: I'm laughing. Um Apparently you're not supposed to put film yourself saying you're going to do crimes because-, <laughs> <laughs> because then when you threaten to do crimes, the guards will come and arrest you. Oh. So um far an activist herself. Graham Carey. Um a lot of people have probably seen his videos like floating around the internet. Um was arrested yesterday morning from his house. He's a thirty nine year old from Finglas. We know Finglas has kind of been one of the flashpoints for these like immature Intimidation protests mm. um, against immigrants. He, this lad, previously protested outside Leo Radger's house. He is now the leading voice in anti-Asylum, but he was also uh, anti-lockdown, anti-COVID, anti-vax. He said in the video that he, um, <laughs> the Garda, would need every fucking copper in this country ahead of the protest due to take part or take place in Finglas this week um he was lifted um by the guards because he said you know things like do what has to be done i'm going to sit back and fold my fucking arms and watch they're going to go through that station if you don't get the fuck out by your own will as in the giarda station yeah she was threatening <laughs> the guards he was threatening the guardy." Fuck the Garda, fuck the army, fuck the judges, fuck the politicians, fuck them all. And then he was arrested. (laughs) So, listen, I'm laughing. There is a wider issue here. It is getting incredibly garing. Ireland has been very lucky that we have sort of managed to hold back this far-right sentiment. It is now everywhere. They are using people with genuine concerns about their own vulnerable communities. And the misinformation yeah. that I am seeing day in, day out. We found out this week that a a, a rumour that an immigrant had raped or sexually assaulted a girl um, in town turned out then to be um, a white Irishman.
1: Yeah.
2: Gardy, you're not looking for anyone else. This rumour was set... Uh, around basically to make people scared of immigrants. They, they We have seen fires this week. We are seeing people being attacked and shouted at from cars. It's incredibly scary. Simon Harris, the Justice Minister, has been out saying, you know, the Gardaí will have everything at their, basically everything at their hand um, to try and deal with this. But um, a lot of people have been highly critical of the Gardaí as well, that they are not um being as forthright or aggressive as we've seen in other Um, Mm -hmm. demonstrations Mm -hmm. so I would very much like to see the um, government taking a much more proactive step in this um,
3: it's really worrying it's really it's really
2: worrying and 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 not
1: only like I mean the people kind of at the heart of this, like we saw. So, the Irish Times journalist Kitty Holland was at was at a, a camp, like a makeshift camp that migrants had set up, and um, when mm-hmm. they were attacked by people um, with mm-hmm. sticks, dogs, baseball bat. It's yeah. all in the Irish Times. I heard her talking about it on Radio One this week. And mm-hmm. She reported on it, and they're online. There has been a campaign against her to, against to her. suggest yeah. that she's lying. That oh, it's very convenient that she was there. Um, it's been verified, you know, that she was there. Like that, you know, there's proof that she was there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and the attacks that she has been at the at the receiving end of this week have been. It, it, Insane, and we know obviously that female journalists are attacked every single day online. That's part of the job now, apparently. It shouldn't be, it's disgusting. But, like, I mean, truly vicious and frightening stuff being said mm -hmm. about Kitty Holland this week,
2: yeah. And for people who don't know who Kitty Holland is, Kitty Holland broke the Savita story. Mm -hmm. Kitty Holland has been at the forefront of social um, Justice. justice and current affairs stories for an incredibly long time. She is basically one of the only journalists of her time, 10, 15 years ago, who ever wrote anything about Travellers. She is one of the most genuine, dedicated journalists um, that there are. Mm. And this campaign against her to make her out as a liar um, is nothing more than an organised campaign to downplay the very severe risk of the far right. I tweeted um, in support of Kitty yesterday and it was immediately me and Kitty were called slags yeah. um, by the people replying. So this is the mentality of the people. Yeah. Um, I wrote about here. Uh,
1: racism last week in um, my column for the Irish Independent and I have my Twitter replies like very heavily filtered so I don't mm-hmm. see replies from people Lucky who you. don't follow me because I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> That's not to say that I don't miss out on some good stuff. I'm sure I do but you know I don't need to see the level of abuse that is sometimes put my way but I, I accidentally came across some stuff this week and it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Luka- the things- luckily.
2: I was going to say, luckily, Kitty was bullied off Twitter before, so she's not on Twitter. So I'm hoping that she hasn't seen yeah the bulk of it. But I can't imagine that she was able. But to the thing it is, either. it's
1: not even like for me. I'm I I didn't feel upset by it on a personal level. Um,
2: I did, but it's just because it happens. It's happened to me before as well, and I just feel like I know what that's like yeah and it's so isolating no I don't yeah nice. yeah
1: no no I don't mean about Kitty I mean when I came across the stuff oh, that was in put in my direction this week it didn't upset mm-hmm. me on a personal level on another week it might but what yeah what, what bothered me was what it represents um and that you get it and Kitty gets it and anyone who talks you know in a in a positive way about immigration at this stage gets it particularly women is that you know the level of vitriol and the kind of organized campaigns of hate—I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just so worrying. It's so worrying. Um, and yeah. if you want to learn more about, um, kind of you know why it is that one of the biggest voices in these protests is also the one of the biggest voices in anti-vax protests and one of the biggest voices mm-hmm. in anti-lockdown and other anti-government protests, and um, you may remember I had Efa Gallagher on the podcast a while ago she is amazing she is an analyst Mm -hmm. at ISD Global Um, she is basically an expert in conspiracy theories and um, this kind of thinking and how these communities form online and you can really learn so much from her so even just give her a follow on Twitter she's Aoife Gal G-A-L-L and she has a brilliant book called Web of Lies The Lure and Danger of Conspiracy Theories because I think sometimes understanding where this stuff comes from can help okay um, now this is interesting so teachers who qualified abroad are going to be able to teach here more easily now Um, And I think a lot of people are really happy to see this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So basically, if you qualify outside Ireland, you're now eligible to apply for registration and complete your induction in Ireland under a new measure. So basically, there is like everything else I have found in the Republic since moving down here. uh, There is a lot of red tape and Mm -hmm. a lot of bureaucracy when it comes to registering as a teacher. So this new move by the teaching council is aimed at obviously increasing supply of registered primary and secondary level teachers, who can then fill vacancies, including subs. So the issue we're having at the minute is, and we've saw we've seen this um for months. It's not even that there's not enough teachers. There's also not enough sub teachers, mm. so they can't even get people um to fill in. Um, the unions have been calling for this for a really long time because there's a lot of people um who might qualify in. Scotland, England, Australia, wherever they were. And then when I come home, and it's really, really arduous um, to uh, basically to get sorted at could Tech ages. So this is a new, basically they're cutting down the red tape. Um, this is really going to help schools. It's really going to help pupils. Um, I would argue they could have done this last year mm-hmm. um, because we knew that this was going to happen. But the current register is something like 118,000 teachers mm. um but uh, they need more basically yeah. um because the population obviously is growing um by huge levels in the last couple of years and this is just going to speed everything up. So this is for once good news. for yeah. you, Louise and Aoife. Great. And um, now
1: we <laughs> haven't really spoken about this just because of, of the way that it kind of happened and the timing of it with the podcast and stuff. Mm. But um, I wanted to address it today because it has obviously been an absolutely enormous story in America. Yep. I'm talking about Tyree Nichols um, who died uh, after a deadly assault by police a few weeks ago. The funeral mm-hmm. is being held next week. He was 29. Um, for people who haven't heard, maybe explain what happened there, Aoife.
2: Yeah, so Tyree Nichols was a 29-year-old fella who worked for FedEx. Um, The big thing that his family have always been talking about this week is really sweet. He was really empty skateboarding. Um, his dad, his stepdad said like, you're a grown man, like, as a child, like, you need to stop skateboarding. Um, but he was really into skateboarding, really into photography. He had actually been to the skate park um, that day and was photographing the sunset. I've looked at some of his photos online and they're, like, it's a lot of, like, sunsets and nature and stuff. Mm. He was driving back to his man's house and he was pulled over for a traffic stop. And for some reason, um, five black and one white police officers um took him out of his car, and there is really, really, really unsettling um footage of how he died. Um, he was tased, he was beaten. um you can see him being kicked and attacked by these police officers. They then called um paramedics, who two paramedics attended the scene and did not treat him. Um he was taken to hospital and he and he died in hospital he's the baby of the family so his next sister i think it's a sister is 12 years older than him so the rest of his family um are a lot older than him his parents have been all over um the news this week basically saying that he was the most gentle beautiful soul he didn't do things just because other people were doing them they were saying like even as a african-american man he doesn't listen to rap music he only listened to like punk emo music mm. he had his mommy's name tattooed on his arm like he was a real family person mm. um his mommy's speech was really lovely she was saying that you know if his purpose in the world was to change the police department then maybe that's what his purpose was mm. but it is another one of these really horrific things that we need to witness by body cameras, stationary cameras of police brutally attacking um, black people in America. Mm. There doesn't seem to be, you know, I even feel like on a human level if I was a police officer in America, like, would you not be like, hyper alert? Yeah. Like, would you not go out of your way not to fucking kill people? So I'm but like, yeah. it's so strange to me that this, like, they don't, they seem totally emboldened, so... The only big thing difference with this is that we will see Kamala Harris, the vice president, is coming to the funeral. Mm. Reverend Al Sharpton Mm. um, is giving the mass. Um, The families of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Tamika Palmer, and Philanese Floyd, um, George Floyd's brother, they're all going to be there um, as like representatives of other people who have died through police violence. Yeah, it's so sad that. That this is even a thing now. Yeah. Um, Joe Biden has made a statement. Um like even the thing of the police officers who attacked him and killed him, they've all been suspended now, but they were part of an elite police force called Operation Scorpion. Like everything about the police in America is so militarized, Mm. so over the top. They just don't, like, this was a traffic stop, so I was reading that there was actually no need to even get him out of the car. Yeah. Because why does he need to be out of the car if there's just something wrong with his car?
1: I think um, one thing about this, you know, one thing that this case, case, this murder um, has has brought up is... Kind of very clearly identifying that there is a cultural problem within the police and that because I saw people kind of going, oh, well, you know, but they were black police officers. So, like, you know, why Mm -hmm. would they have attacked a black person if it's about racism? But like you can hold you can buy into a culture that is racist and be mm-hmm. a member of the, of a minority race like that's possible yeah if the culture yeah. is racist then and, it doesn't yeah, really exactly. matter it's
2: not racism isn't calling names it's systemic yeah exactly you know so like the the issue isn't the color of the policeman the issue mm. is the police mm. yeah it's just i don't know i find it, it's just really 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 depressing and yeah. it doesn't even seem like joe biden can do anything you know yeah. he makes statements and they've you know they've banned chokeholds, they've banned no knock warrants, they've done all these things. They try and make people safer, and it doesn't seem to be working because it's actually the human beings involved. Are the issue? Yeah, yeah, that's very sad. Um, well,
1: the, on that joyful note,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we should have did oh, the teachers last. I know, I know, I should have. Um, I'll, I'll try and find I'm a good, a good cheerful story to for us any, next week.
2: I'm trying to think to have any like anything Mm. happy to bring up Mm. um Mm. no I just went on RT there oh Beyonce yeah yeah well that's Beyonce's going to Sunderland by signing for them have to give it to (laughs) (laughs) them.
1: she sure is and you'll hear me and Kian talking more about that later on in the episode okay my love as a
2: a famous non-Beyonce fan this is no good to me but happy for everyone else happy for the gays in the garen.
1: well there's been absolute war this morning over the pre-sale because people have not gotten their tickets so we'll see i'm praying for tickets to edinburgh now tomorrow morning p pg pg okay ifa thank you so much thank you This week, we are so fortunate to have two Dairy Girls on the podcast because next we're going to be talking to Joanna Cooper. Joanna Cooper is a model and influencer. She is so beautiful like maybe one of the most beautiful people I've seen in real life Um, she is from Derry as I said and she is 100 percent certified Sangal, certified by me Um, she has just become an ambassador for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland which is a cause close to her heart as her lovely mom was diagnosed with dementia two years ago at just 62 years old. This week we had a chat about our experience of having early onset dementia in our families and how important it is to open up about the challenges that presents. So, Joanna, I feel like we should start by giving a bit of background to how we know each other, um, because we met each other on, I have to say, maybe the most fabulous trip I've ever been on in my entire life. We both went to Paris last year for Couture Fashion Week. Um, It was, oh my God, it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. So kind like we stayed in this amazing hotel we were there for the launch of the uh, victor and Rolf's good fortune fragrance so we got to go to their like couture show like i literally was like the whole time i was like i cannot believe this is real life but i feel like you get to do glamorous stuff like that all the time
3: no i was dead <laughs> That hotel was unbelievable.
1: Oh, we stayed in. We stayed in. I, I talked t- talked about this in the podcast already. Uh, that at the time, but we stayed in the same hotel that Carrie stayed in in Paris in Sex in the City. It was yeah, it was like magical. But I think one of the one of the things aside from all of those bits that made that trip special was we we had such a nice time. The group of us that were there was a small group, only four of us. Um, and you and I definitely. Well, I feel. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we connected because we ended up talking about a similar situation that we have in our families at the moment um and obviously I have recently spoken about the fact that my mom is 58 and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's last year and your mom is not much older than her and she is also experiencing dementia and it's really tough on a family isn't it
3: but it was actually so nice I think that was the first time aside from my family that I connected properly with someone and actually spoke about it Mm. um I think we said at the time too, it's hard to talk to someone who hasn't experienced it. And I know a lot of people have experienced it in different levels, but when it is that someone that's that close to you, yeah, um it just it's I find it's a bit harder to talk to people about mm-hmm. because then there is no right way they can comfort you. So when you speak to someone who actually is going through the same thing, it's like a wave of relief. Like you can both relate completely. Yeah. So it was, it was so nice yeah. to speak to you.
1: I felt the same I felt absolutely felt the same and I felt really um I don't want this to sound patronizing but I felt really proud of you when I saw that you were working with the Alzheimer's Society to promote Denim Day this year um I because I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff so what made you decide that you wanted to do that
3: yeah so actually so my brother's wedding was last November, he'll kill me if I get that wrong, November, October. <laughs> and um he didn't tell anyone and he did obviously we're from the north, so he did favours for Dementia UK mm. and it was again one of the first times that we've like kind of publicly like in front of people done anything. Mm. And I just thought it was so special and such a nice thing for him to do. And he didn't tell anyone, it was just on the table. and mm. um, so when he did that, I was like, that was so nice. And then I know that I do have a platform mm. and I don't I've never really worked with a charity before just plainly because I haven't related to one yeah and strongly like personally I haven't related to one and so I thought about it for a while and when the Alzheimer's Society reached out to me I kind of backed off then I was like no I'm too nervous because
1: it's It's just too personal yeah
3: Yeah. Um, and also I think it's just it's a weird one because when it comes to someone else's mental health, you almost feel like you don't have their consent to talk about what they're going through because they yeah. can't, you know, they can't tell you. Yeah. Um. But I spoke with my dad and my family and I was like, what do you think? And they were like, obviously only good can come of it because mm. if anything, it's just giving them a bit more of a platform so we can push Denim Day or mm. push any of the, the things that they're trying to drive and, so when I spoke to them they were all so lovely and I decided then I would give it a go and we started with Denim Day because it's a nice one like it's getting schools involved and everything mm. and but I actually didn't expect such big response when I posted about it online and I was shocked at how many people are going through the exact same thing and have the exact same emotions as we said like yeah. it's you just feel like it's not your place to talk about it because it isn't you that's going through it and it's, yeah. it's a weird one but I'm happy
1: that yeah I kind of yeah I think it's amazing that you're doing it but I completely know what you mean like I'm lucky that my mom is still able to I was you know I was able to ask her and how she felt about me maybe talking about it publicly and she said I, I actually think she finds comfort in more people knowing because the more people know the more people can help, I suppose. You know, if, for example, because she still goes and walks our dogs and stuff, you know, if she were to get confused or whatever, I suppose, from her perspective, if people know, then they can help her and they won't feel uncomfortable about helping her and stuff like that. But tell me about your mom.
3: So my mom is now coming 64. And we, it's been going on for quite a while. Like I would say long before she was 60, there was small signs, but nothing... Um, nothing that we would have been like, that's definitely it. Now, her yeah. mom also had early onset dementia. Mm. So it was always kind of in the back of her heads. And then she got breast cancer when she was fifty, a 59. And it was after that, um, and after treatment and everything, we just started to notice more and more that there was definitely something going on, but it's really hard to diagnose it when they're young, mm. even when she was really exhibiting signs. It was still so hard to get a diagnosis so Mm. my poor dad like all over lockdown it was the two of them in the house and like just for him like regardless of what we're all seeing like me and my brothers and sister-in-laws and everything like they're 40 years married and Mm -hmm. like imagine watching like the love of your life like that part I just think is just so sad so they were pushing and pushing to try and get a diagnosis and finally they did but with what I have, i've actually learned so much since speaking to the alzheimer's society with mm. early onset it can be quite rapid and quite aggressive and comparison to you know if it sets in like post-stroke or whatever um so her decline has been really really rapid so my mom's not actually in a home mm. and it's just the safest option for her yeah and that decision alone was such a huge thing obviously on all of us, but especially on my dad. Like he had to be the one to be like, okay, it has time. Yeah. And it really was like it was just so quick. And she wouldn't really at the minute, like she's so content. She's so safe and happy in there. And Mm. the carers just watching is amazing. Like she'd be a really tactile person. Like she loves hugs and everything. Mm. And watching the carers give her that Mm. as well as keep her safe and look after like is really nice but also it's it's obviously really hard to know that that's where she is and that's where she'll always be.
1: Yeah. Because you you are super close to her, right? You guys had a have, sorry, it's hard, isn't it? Because you never know I,
3: you, you know never know. What I mean about you don't know what to say. Yeah, the
1: past or the present tense because yeah. you know, I think that's one of the hardest things is that you have to accept that the person as they were is gone and they're not coming back and you have to kind of make your peace with where they are at the time so sorry yeah. if I'm if I'm using the wrong tenses no. I get confused by, about my own situation
3: it's as exactly well the same. and even someone who has not isn't you're never going to offend like it's yeah. so hard to know, again because it hasn't talked about enough yeah. no one really knows how they react yeah.
1: yeah so tell me about your relationship and what she what she yeah. has been like in your life
3: yeah, so I would would have been really close to my mom. Um, so I have four older brothers, mm. and then I'm youngest, mm. and the only girl, that so we would have been really close. Yeah, and um, she just like she was really active on like, like I was like her stage child. So like <laughs> she would have been really involved in that, and then she would have been really involved in like social media, love sharing stuff. So that I do think that she would have fully supported doing yeah. something like this. She would have been active enough herself, and um, she also so my four older brothers. They we now have seven nieces and nephews, so she has seven grandchildren. And mm-hmm. um, she two of them obviously are under two, two and under, so she hasn't really got to know them. But yeah. like, the rest, she obsessed with like she just loved children, loved being around them, and that was kind of her personality. Um, and loved all my brothers and everything. So yeah, we were very close. Um, so it's it's a big loss whenever it's like your mom like yeah of course and um, i think
1: like it's it's so hard to navigate as i said because like you're grieving
3: yeah while they're still there
1: yeah and all the time and it can hit you when you least expect it just like grief after someone dies does i mean i went to my son's um like Christmas songs at this Christmas just gone. And it was the first time they've had it because it, because of COVID, like since he started primary school, they haven't been able to do, like all the parents come or whatever. And I got there and I saw that there were other grandparents there. And like, I like I lost it. I just was like, I should have brought Jer. Like, that's what I called my mom. I was like, I should have brought her because she would love it today, but you just don't know next year where you're going to be. Um, yeah. And I had this wave of just like loss. And and it's it's so hard to explain if you if you're not experiencing it, I think.
3: Yeah. Even you know, like knowing friends that are like going for lunch with their mom or doing something Mm. and you know you can never have that, even though they're there. Yeah. I don't know. That's just there's just it's not harder than someone who's lost a friend. That is the worst thing in the world. It's just different. It's just different emotion of, yeah, I can go visit her, Mm. but we can't connect we can't have conversations that we would have had and like she can't know what's going on mm. and again like my brother got married last year and my other brother got married the year before and she wasn't able to be there for either of them which is she would have just been heartbroken if she knew that she wasn't there yeah she, she, she doesn't know what's going on and um, whatever way the dementia has affected her like she really doesn't know anything that's going on she can't really she can speak but she can't hold a conversation or anything it's just um harder for her to focus, yeah, um, so yeah, she can't really grasp what's going on,
1: I think in situations like the ones that we're in um and you're a bit further down the the road than I am, so I still have a lot to learn and figure out as as it all happens, um. I find, you know, my friends would ask me kind of regularly, like, you know, how's your mom? And I'm always mm-hmm. like, I, I, yeah, I just, and, and they mean well, and I and I don't have a problem with them yeah. asking, but I never know how to answer because you're just kind of like, well, you know, not great. <laughs> like, no. It's the answer is never going to be, oh, much better. Like that's, you know, that's not an option. So I'm wondering if you know, because there will be people listening who probably know people like us who are in in this situation. And like, what do you think is a good way to support people?
3: I don't know. It's a hard one because like, I'm sure you're the same. We have all the support in the world. Like I have such good friends and everyone around me, but it was more, I think we more need to talk about how it's okay to open up. Like if you're in that situation, if you have a parent or a grandparent or someone really close to you that has dementia, that it's okay to talk about it. Mm. I think that's maybe what what the bar, where the barrier comes in because yeah. you feel like you don't want to put the person that's asking in an awkward position by being like, well, it's not great mm. um, because there is no positive answer. There really isn't. And mm. you can spin it whatever way you want, but at the end of the day, there's no cure and there's no... There's like, no silver lining. Line. Yeah. So I would be more talking to people in our position and I don't know hoping I think that's why I really wanted to talk about it to start with because there's such a stigma of guilt around it like there's such a feeling of guilt yeah with all the family members because there's really nothing you can do yeah so I think you feel guilty and then you feel like it's not it's not about us it's Mm -hmm. about them Mm -hmm. you don't want to be like well yeah not great and and I'm not feeling great or whatever yeah it's more letting people that are going through it know that it's okay to talk about it and yeah. that you should talk about it and then more people feel comfortable yeah and the conversation then flows better you yeah know?
1: yeah I think you're right I, because I mean I think we can especially as Irish people I think culturally we get quite caught up in like what we're what we're entitled to feel and what we're not entitled to feel yeah. and what we're entitled to talk about and what we're not entitled to talk about like that's not my news that's not my story that kind of thing yeah. but like at the end of the day if you you know, are a family member of someone who's, who's experiencing dementia, particularly, I think early onset, it, you know, can be extra, extra difficult, although it's obviously difficult at any age. Um, and yeah. y- you are still having your own experience of something really difficult that's independent even of their experience. And yeah. and you, you are entitled to talk about that.
3: Yeah. 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 So many, when I did speak about it on stories, like, my heart broke it's so many people that wrote and were like, I haven't told anyone or my it was one girl that really like her dad is 54 mm. and she's like i i don't know how to deal with it he's 54 and he's exhibiting signs of early onset which again is quite aggressive mm. and they just feel lost so yeah. maybe pushing the alzheimer's society and knowing that there's always someone to talk to and yeah. again trying to make it a conversation so that they feel a bit more comfortable talking yeah. about it yeah i just feel important
1: yeah I think so too and as you say the like my family has been so impressed by the alzheimer's society and the services that they offer and the support like there is support there so even if you feel like you can't speak to a friend if you don't feel ready to do that yet you can absolutely go to them and there are support groups and you know you can message me I have no problem (laughs) hearing from people yeah Joanna's the same because I know it is different when you have someone who gets it and but there there is support there yeah
3: yeah, it works both ways.
1: So let's talk about Denim Day. What's the story? Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, so Denim Day, you can sign up online and get packs delivered. So if you're in a workspace or in a school, you're a teacher, whatever, you can bring Denim Day under your school, and your students or your colleagues will come wear denim and make a donation to the Alzheimer's Society. And it's just a fun way and a specific way. Like it's not, you don't have to go all out. Literally just wear a piece of denim. Like my nephew came home the other day, which I loved so much, and he got his mom to rang me, and he was like, "My teacher's signing up for denim day." And Aww. I was like, "That it's just so nice. It brings that they then know a bit more. Yeah, raising an awareness in younger people. They know that someone in their class might be dealing with it, and it's a way to open a conversation for them too. And of course for the charity
1: yeah that's such a good point I hadn't even thought about that because you know I was just thinking about the fundraising but like you know I'm having to explain a little bit um not not a lot yet but to my son uh, you know um about our yeah. situation and I think it would yeah it would probably be really helpful to have it just be spoken about in his school or whatever you know just general information to know that just this is model. yeah yeah a hundred percent okay well I obviously will be getting involved a hundred percent what date is it again
3: 3rd of March, I want to say. I'm going to double check so I don't get this wrong. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say I should have checked it before we um before we what, got on here. Yeah, 3rd of March, you're right. So yeah, so if you want more information, check out the Alzheimer's um, Society of Ireland's website. It's just alzheimer.ie and um, just Google Denim Day as well. You'll get all the info and Joanna has it on her social media as well. So where can people find you?
3: You can find me just on Joanna Coops on Instagram. And again, if anyone wants to message me or if you're going through the same time, do because um, it's important to talk about
1: it thank you so much Joanna
3: thank
0: you hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass-
1: This week, the celebs were celebbing with gusto as Beyonce announced her world tour and Sam Smith experienced some grim backlash in response to their new video. With me to break it all down this week is Kian Sullivan, host of Sissy That Pod. Kian Sullivan and um... Host of Sissy That Pod. How are you doing?
4: All good, all good. Keeping positive. It was St. Bridget's Day uh, during the week. So I. It's okay. Know.
1: It's okay. We record on <laughs> Thursday.
4: <laughs> Yesterday. One of my favorite days of the year. So yeah,
1: all good. Yeah. Um, I I have only educated myself on St. Bridget in recent years. I just
4: think, you know, I've, I've always been banging her drum as, as our feminist uh, patron saint. So yes. I'm glad she's getting her day this year.
1: Me too, Kian. I'm very happy. Mm. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. Um, we're getting into awards here. Now, proper yeah. aren't we?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, this Sunday is the Grammys. So, I don't know. Would you watch the Grammys? Would you like passing interest in the Grammys?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I want to see the fashion and I want to see the performances. Yeah, like I tend to kind of these days, I kind of watch the bits I want on YouTube.
4: Exactly. I'm the yeah. same. So, on Monday morning, I'll probably scour YouTube for everything I'm looking for, but yeah. I'm not sure if I'll watch the full ceremony on, them on the Monday evening. If you're kind of like that and you're kind of like, oh, who's nominated? Here's a quick cheat sheet uh, for you. So basically, the three names you need to remember this week, th- this ceremony, is Beyonce, Harry Styles, and Adele. Okay, that they're makes the sense. Th- they're the three big names that you're going to expect to see most of the awards. Wait a
1: minute though, Adele. Yeah. Oh, yes, I remember this now when the nominations came out. I was like, is that album only this year?
4: No, so they do their, uh, their like, nomination period from September to September. Okay. So anything that came out since September, okay. like Taylor Swift's, okay. won't be nominated until next year. Okay, okay, fine. Now... 2016, Adele and Beyonce went up against each other with 25 and Lemonade and Adele won. So oh, I is...
1: remember. And she wanted to like break it up. and
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like in um, Mean Girls. Mean Girls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, renaissance for Beyonce is the favorite to win this year, but you never know how things could go. Adele is pretty close behind her in the odds, and Harry is third. So they're the they're the main three for album of the year, and they're kind of the main three for song of the year and record of the year as well. Mm. Easy on me, as it was, and break my soul. I think in song of the year, you have a chance that Taylor Swift could take it, with all too well, mm. we know how much the Grammys loved Taylor Swift, so she could be there. Mm. Uh, record of the year could be go to Lizzo's about that about damn time, mm. it was a huge song last year, and the Grammys love like throwbacks to old sounds and i yeah. think that's kind of disco revival i do like Harry harry's house which is kind of like 70s rock yeah. revival they'll love that so they're the kind of main three things best new artist it looks like it could go to anita but it could go to Monskin, wet leg or Lado. they're like the big four that yeah
1: mon skin obviously Monskin, i'm probably saying it wrong um, and yeah, previously sure. eurovision winners mm-hmm. actually really nice to see an act from the eurovision go on to have like absolutely a, a career like this
4: yeah definitely and even like sam Ryder last year i definitely think we're back into the peak of eurovision now where i think people are actually taking it seriously again i think tiktok's helping too so what
1: do you think about uh what's going on with the irish entry
4: uh i've seen the nominations when you say what's going on isn't like who who i think is going to get it
1: well like uh, what's his name johnny john Lydon, john Lydon. like
4: yeah strange, isn't it? Uh, but that's someone in rt who's yeah. like has some relationship with him probably who's like like friendship relationship let's do something
1: mad yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> this will he... get this will get him talking <laughs> um, he
4: won't get chosen but you've got we'll have performances from Lizzo, Bad Bunny, Harry Styles and then Sam Smith and Kim Petras performing which I think is amazing because having a trans and non-binary person perform at the Grammys yeah it's huge um,
1: okay so we've got a couple of people that you mentioned there that we need to talk about because obviously Beyonce announced her renaissance world tour yes and um, huge news uh, lots of Irish people in full anguish because currently there is no Irish date
4: no I don't know what Sunderland have done Have made some sort of deal <laughs> with the devil <laughs> that have got Beyonce not just on this tour but on her last tour as well yeah maybe she just loves I don't know a chip buddy in Sunderland I don't know but anyway she's playing in Sunderland and she's not playing in Dublin and you saw it as well with the Madonna tour that mm. I was I got tickets for ultimately did you? The, yeah I did yeah where are you going to, go to Antwerp okay but so it should be fine yeah um She's not playing Dublin either, so I don't know. It could be something to do with Live Nation. A lot of these acts, sort of their tours run by Live Nation, so that means they have to only perform in state events or stadiums that belong to Live Nation. So maybe Live Nation own nothing in Dublin. I'm not sure. Mm. But she's kicking off on the 10th of May um, in Stockholm, and then she'll be in the UK from 17th to 30th of May, and then she'll be travelling the rest of the way around the UK, I think a sneaky chance, a uh, good one to go for, if I'm going for it, will be in Cardiff on the 17th of May. Mm. Eurovision will be in Limerick, oh, Limerick, in Liverpool on the 14th of May. Then mm. just get the train down, you could do a double
1: whammy. That would be Whopper. I think I'm going to go for Edinburgh.
4: Nice. Okay.
1: Um, That's, my friend has an Edinburgh connection and I've never been, so I think that's what we're going to go for. Okay. But, you know, I think the Live Nation thing is is an interesting point and mm. I think addition, additionally to that, lots of acts are finding Ireland too expensive to have mm-hmm. on their tour. Like, that's something that we need to face up to, I think, as Irish people, because I know that, because <coughs> I really wanted Muna to come and play here, okay, and they didn't, and when I asked them on their Instagram if they would come and play here, they said they just couldn't do it money-wise. Okay. Um, like, even if they sold out the Olympia, which is probably where they'd be playing, you know, it just didn't make financial sense, because things are just so expensive here now, which but is But does wild. that
4: also mean, like, it's an extra shipping of all the yeah. things overseas exactly. and stuff like that yeah, yeah. it does make sense you know it is a logistical difficulty and we don't have the population that they could do multiple nights if you're not a huge Bruce yeah. Springsteen style artist
1: I know but it's, I, it's sad yeah we've got to figure this out because we deserve better we do
4: deserve better <laughs> um,
1: okay so we'll watch I mean those tickets are going to go I, I presume you've seen all the people on Twitter being like I've seen Beyonce loads of times she's actually really not good she can't dance yeah. and her singing is terrible it's like the joke that's going on online for people to discourage I other know. people from getting tickets I'm like guys it's like on
4: a love island tell yourself whatever you want to believe but that doesn't mean it's the truth (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) okay you also mentioned sam smith there and like this i don't even know what to call it backlash that sam smith is experiencing at the moment to their video and from their new album has been I, i i have found it really difficult to watch yeah um the wave of fat phobia transphobia homophobia all the phobias has been difficult to stomach
4: yeah so basically it's a video for their latest track i'm not here to make friends from their fourth studio album gloria i mean i read about the backlash before i watched the video and then i watched the video and i was like that's it that's what we're complaining about Mm. really like they are dancing in a big old chateau with loads of scantily clad dancers of all genders really behind them mm. who, some of whom are c- convorting behind them and they're wearing incredibly sort of queer rig outs with long dangly earrings and sort of bejeweled bodices and everything and yeah it's just the. I think it's just like it's not even as controversial as something that little as x talks about so yeah. I'm wondering is it is it just the combination of all the things you said there or maybe the fact that Sam Smith has had a traditionally yeah. kind of older audience because of Stay With Me and these yeah. big ballads like he you know, they uh, piggybacked on sort of like the Adele train of yeah. these big ballads and these love songs so maybe that's why. Yeah. But really when you see what people are complaining about and you know there's nothing there.
1: No, I I have to say and maybe it's because I'm I have like you know a finely honed kind of radar for um the body stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the body plays a huge role in this because mm-hmm. and I saw Sam Smith has done a big interview with Zane Lowe in which they talk about the the changes in their body because mm-hmm. at the start of their career they were I don't know, a little bit chubby, and then they lost loads of weight, and obviously they were massively celebrated as anyone is when they lose loads of weight. Never comment on anyone's weight, guys. Even mm-hmm. if it's even if you think you're giving them a compliment, it's not appropriate. Um, yeah. And then they regained the weight, which, by the way, is what happens in I think it's like ninety-seven percent of cases of people losing a substantial amount of weight is that they gain it back and more. Like that's scientific research mm-hmm. <laughs> says that. So you know, almost everyone who loses a lot of weight is gonna is gonna gain it back. But when you're Sam Smith and you regain it publicly after all of the public celebration like I think that really messes with your head mm. and I saw Sam Smith saying to Zayn Lowe that in, in a, there's a photo of one of their I think it's like yeah, a the, single cover or an album cover yeah the
4: second album I think
1: yeah and they are very thin and you know Sam Smith says like yeah I was starving like I mean that's the reality of it and they've obviously been on a huge journey with their body and I think the video is a representation of that that they're out and proud and like yeah this is my Mm. body as it is which by the way isn't even that big like (laughs) but just by by gay standards um which unfortunately I think we have to say you know there is a big issue with fat phobia and gay men um you know it's unacceptable and I think that's I really think that's the thing that pushes this over the line. Like there would be people who would have an issue with scantily clad people in a music video as they have with Madonna, as they mm-hmm. have with countless people over the years. But I think the the fact that it is someone who doesn't have a quote unquote perfect body daring to be scantily clad is like a real struggle. And I think the fact, and obviously Lizzo has faced that, but the fact that Sam is non-binary, the fact that Sam is, you know as you say com- had has previously been covered up and quite traditional performer mm-hmm. i think all of that creates the perfect storm
4: yeah i think so too and and i have sort of followed sam throughout their career and i've quite kind of enjoyed seeing them embrace their queer side publicly yeah. and it's kind of been edge by edge like is it the how do you live video where they were like i just want to have a girl pop girl moment and they yeah. did all this karaoke and stuff like that so it's really nice kind of to see them go on their journey from coming out publicly with their first album and then, you know, slowly morphing into this kind of almost, you know, if George Michael felt free to be gay the whole career, this sort of career that they can have. So yeah, yeah, it's really nice.
1: Oh, that's such a good, that's such an interesting point about George Michael. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I just like, I wanted to like, text sam smith this week and be like babe <laughs>
4: fuck them you're amazing and like sure. give them a big hug the new and song is good i quite like it as well yeah i do yeah, too yeah. I, I
1: really like their new music mm-hmm. um okay we'll stay with uh, awards i guess and move on to andrea riseborough because we and the reason that i want to do this is because we talked about this andrea riseborough oscar nomination question mm-hmm. a few weeks ago on the podcast and then um, she got nominated for an oscar and then um there was this kerfluffle about it which so many people tweeted me about and was like oh my god but i felt like we just had to acknowledge it absolutely
4: like i hadn't heard of this story until i listened to it on catch up myself so yeah basically i mean you, you've described it the best there so then the academy wanted to look into see whether she had done anything untoward in her campaign um outreach and then it makes you just consider like oh so you know I think they've kind of like revealed the veil on themselves a bit too much there because you're like oh so it's not actually about the best acting performance it's about the biggest campaign is it yeah (laughs) which we know
1: (laughs) that it is yeah like, that's why we've there's been so much conversation over the years about, like, you know, the Oscars being too white and, like, mm-hmm. you know, representation and stuff. is because at the end of the day, it's a group of people voting. Yeah. A group of a certain type of person voting. So if you can get enough of them on side, of course you can get a nomination.
4: <clears throat> yeah, 100%. But, yeah, revealing back... and Harvey Weinstein was one of the first to, to like, spearhead this aggressive <laughs> campaign <laughs> that now is, is de in, in the industry these days. But, anyway, they came out and said... The activity, like pertaining to how anybody on on, uh, Andrea's behalf uh, campaigned, does that rise to the level that the film's nomination should be rescinded? However, we do um, discover, we did discover social media outreach campaigning that caused us concern and that's going to be dealt with the individual's. Like, that just sounds to me like it was a vile TikTok video that went off that they're annoyed with.
1: Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I I, I was kind of like, this is wild that like, you know, a group of actors can start tweeting about or whatever, Mm. tweeting, talking, whatever, about your performance in the week of Oscar nominations. And that can get you an Oscar nomination. Like, it is wild that that's the way it works. But that is the way that it works because Mm. it is literally, as I said on the podcast before, it is literally people you know, choosing to vote, and Jeremy O'Harris was on Twitter going, "Hey guys, who do you think? I've tried to see as many films as I can, but who do you think I should I should vote for in this category? In this mm. category, like, you know, you they do look for you know contribution or guidance from other people. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think it's a great idea to be doing it on Twitter, but, <laughs> um, but the thing about this is Andrew Rosborough is amazing in this role Mm. like i watched it she's brilliant it's an incredible performance like so you know does she deserve an oscar nomination yeah i think she probably does like it's certainly on a par i think with the other performances but are there lots of other actors who put in performances this year that people didn't see or talk about that were probably Probably. on a level Yeah, Yeah, i'm sure there are
4: yeah absolutely so yeah that's the
1: reality of awards yeah
4: exactly (laughs) and the campaign so yeah i don't know i just think they should have they, they're playing themselves by kicking up too much fuss about this.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, a big baby week. Uh, Molly May had her baby Bambi.
4: Yes. So is it Bambi Fury? Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds kind of like, a, you know, what you'd call a stampede of deer.
1: <laughs> I just like... <laughs> I, I like Bambi I follow another Bambi a baby Bambi I follow this Australian I don't know I actually don't know who she is I think she's a model influencer mm. called Indy Clinton Um, and she is big on TikTok and Instagram she's got like 300,000 Instagram followers I just like her because she has this toddler called Navy who is insane and sh- it's always chaos and I really appreciate that as a mother mm-hmm. of two small children um, and she has her baby Bambi and I've I always thought Bambi was a lovely name, but there's something about Bambi Fury yeah. that like pushes it into...
4: <laughs> but I guess Fury's a very difficult name It is to, to put something in front Maybe of. Maybe they
1: should have called her like gentle. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Controlled Fury.
1: Minor. <laughs> <Yeah>. Occasional. <laughs>
4: Sporadic. Oh, yeah. baby,
0: occasional. You're so cute. <laughs> so yeah, she
4: came into the world on the 23rd of January, making her an Aquarius. I don't mm-hmm. know if if you're listening to that means... Mm-hmm. According to the thing that I looked up means, well, she, she'll be aloof. She'll hate small talk, but she'll be a rebel at heart. So oh, I can see that for her. Good
2: for her. For Bambi
4: Do- Fury. Did you see horrible youtube man jake paul commented under the post saying just enough time to see her dad get beat up yeah i mean come on
1: he's such a loser yeah although i was really annoyed recently someone i like came up they'd done an interview with him and it was good like a good interview or like what they were talking about was good not jake paul but the contributor and i was like oh why are you giving him this
4: yeah your kids are probably too young to love like them on youtube are they
1: yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's the, whole, the,
4: the whole drink that they have the prime drink and everything that's going crazy and
1: yeah, yeah no fortunately uh, no connection there Um. <laughs> now the other baby this week is paris hilton yes
4: paris and her husband carter roim do we know how, we, how we're saying that's her name i haven't a clue welcomed their mr son, paris hilton yeah mr <laughs> paris hilton welcomed their son via a surrogate this month um he already actually has a, a daughter with with the reality tv star laura bellisi um but yeah the two of them welcomed their child no word on the name of the child yet TikTok uh, sleuths have discovered that she had said in an interview once that if she had a girl, she'd called her London, Marilyn. Mm. Because London is another chic place mm. name, like Paris. Mm-hmm. So they've speculated that maybe it'll be called Milan or mm-hmm. Monaco mm-hmm. or Lyon, another French name. Mm-hmm. I'd like to offer some Irish uh, place names oh, into please, the mix. Please. So there's, a, um, there's an American couple who've named their kids Carlo, Ennis and Kinsale. <laughs>
1: Sorry, how have I not noticed before that Kinsale is actually the perfect American baby name? Kinsale
4: I'd like to throw into the mix Lucan. I think it's a too far. Yes, out.
1: I love it.
4: Uh, or we could go a bit more Dingle. Dingle Hilton.
1: Yes, Dingle Hilton. So, Dingle could work. It does sound a bit like a drink.
4: Knobber? It says more about me. Knobber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> never <Nubber! Nubber. laughs> get over here right now
4: little baby Bundoran would we go oh, for that or, Bundy or my favourite would be Lissy Casey Hilton it's
1: oh I love it <laughs> yeah. I mean get them to her stat absolutely she does pay attention to her social media Can okay. you could all actually right, should, influence this Yeah, okay. I have to say I'm like weirdly like I don't know why I care so much but I feel really happy for Paris like I think she really all over the years it was clear that she wanted to get married and have a baby like that was something that she really wanted Wanted and you know, I hope that she's very happy.
4: Yeah, no, me too. There was, I guess there was the element of that Jennifer Aniston effect with her kind of where people kind of following her love life and constantly unlucky in love, so to speak. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Well, I think
1: you know, I watched her documentary and like, mm. I think it's very hard to be a Paris Hilton. A lot of. Men are really intimidated by your success and by the fact that she is unquestionably the star of the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that can, well, we know, we've heard it time and time again that that can cause problems
4: for for women like we her. We saw so. that man throw her laptop.
1: Yes. I, mean. I have not gotten over that. I was, so, he is, I hate that. I hate him.
4: <laughs> am I a Paris Hilton star? Oh my God, she was maybe about I, to I am. She threw her laptop. She Don't had she? her gloves
1: on and everything. She was all set to DJ. <laughs> Poor Paris. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, I would say I think it's worth a watch. That's silly. Um, okay, well, thank you so much, Keen Sullivan. As always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, people can check out sissy that pod i know you guys are recapping the current season mm-hmm. of rupaul's drag race or you it's you now solo we, show yeah,
4: and erin McGathy is my co-host this season oh so, lovely yeah, so, oh that's great so we're doing season 15 at the moment yes yeah, so i'm behind
1: list. so i i have i'm not caught up i'm behind on drag race and i'm behind therefore on the podcast yeah, Good and um, but i'm gonna get into it this week i think uh because i think i'm hearing it's like it's good it's good but it's a lot of criticism about the f- 40 empty, the format yeah yeah
4: it's they've gone from like 90 minutes to 40 minutes now and you really feel it because yeah. i feel like when they filmed it they didn't take that into account so you've got like 16 queens you have to squeeze into 40 minutes so it's a bit of a bit chaotic yeah but okay. otherwise very good
2: okay well that's
1: good well Keen, thank you very very much thank you very much it's just about time for me to go now but thank you so much for being with me this week as ever it means so much to me that you listen um, do if you feel like it rate, review, share tell a friend um, tell them your favorite bits. I don't know. Um, it's all very, very welcome and gratefully received. I do have some recommendations before I go. I went to see the film Women Talking this week. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a special um, screening of it. And it's not actually out until I think next Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, the 3rd of February, I think it's like the 10th. Um it is nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars this year. I didn't really know a lot going into it, which I don't think is really a bad way to go in. Um, but what I will say is that it is around the themes of sexual assault. So, you know, that might not be something for you. Um, it's not, you know, particularly graphic, um, but it certainly is confronting. Um, it's got an incredible cast of female actors. They are just Every single one gives a fantastic performance, um, and it's really moving and confronting as I said and just generally I think it's it's fantastic some people have said I've read it said and I thought myself it feels a bit like a play but it works and sometimes I feel like that's not a good thing for movies but I think it really works here and um, yeah I would recommend it I think if you like this podcast I think you'd like it and then I also watched this week a film which is in the comedy category on Netflix um I am not sure. I mean, it is funny, like it is, but it's also very sad and moving. So, like, I want to give you that information so that you're not shocked by how sad and moving it is. It's actually an old movie. It was made in 2016. It stars Jesse Plemons who you may know as well, I know him as Landry Clark from Friday Night Lights. And he's been in loads of other things. He's been in Fargo. He's married to Kristen Dunst, or certainly they're together. I don't know. Maybe they're not married. And um, he's a brilliant actor. So, he's the main character. And then Molly Shannon plays his mother, Molly Shannon, formerly of. SNL a very funny clever actress um as his mother and she is very sick um as she's dying of cancer uh, and it's about him going home to kind of take care of her and the dynamics within the family so again like that might be a bit close to the bone for you if it's something that you have experienced or are experiencing but it's very good very touching um and and genuinely funny at times as well Then my other recommendation is, of course, to Pamela. As I mentioned earlier, this is going to be the subject of the second Patreon episode this month. Uh, Myself and Jen Gannon are going to be breaking it down, digesting it, talking about it, talking about poor... Pamela Anderson, and only poor in terms of the way that she has been treated over the years, there is a lot to talk about there. So if you want to watch that, that episode will be coming out on Tuesday. So if you want to try and get it watched before Tuesday, you can listen to the episode straight away as we discuss. Okay, that's it. So there you go. And as I said, the link to sign up to the Patreon if you want to listen to those episodes is in the show notes. It's also on my social media. And I hope you have a lovely week if you can't have a lovely week, that's okay too. We will just put one foot in front of the other, as we always do. Thank you so much to my contributors and also to ACAST for having me on the network. I will talk to you next Friday.